I would encourage you. Look, I am a, I am a G-rated guy, okay? I, I, normally, when I speak, it's totally G, okay? Today's PG-13, all right? It's PG-13. If you're a visitor, <laughs> people are excited about that. If you're a visitor and, uh, and uh, you're wondering if you should put your kids in the child's ministry, please do. Please do. I don't want to offend anybody. Trust me. Ask. If you don't know me, ask. They'll tell you, oh, yeah, totally. He's a G guy. All right. But today is going to be PG-13. So with that, let me just pray and we'll get started. Um, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come together this morning. We thank you for the opportunity um, to just be in your presence and to hear from your spirit and from your word. And we pray that it would transform us this morning, that it would bring us perspective, that it would bring us strength, that it would bring us light um, that we can bring into all the the areas of our life that that you have put us, all the influence that you've given us, Lord. We pray. um, We thank you for your son. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who comes and makes it all true. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, not losing our characteristics. This is awesome. I can move. The old church, I would, I'd be dead right now. I'd be dead. I would have fallen off the, fallen off the stage at this point. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about kind of identity markers of, of who we are as a church and, and what's important to us. And, and I love the fact that we are a church that loves the gospel. We're a church that loves the good news of Jesus, that we believe ultimately that, that what Jesus has done once and for all has removed anything, any barriers for us to be able to enter into relationship with God. That no longer does God's relationship with us depend on the things that we do, the things that, that, that we might have done, the things that we might do in the future, that none of that matters, that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's been shown to us in Christ, that once and for all, on the cross, justice has been met, and we now can enter into grace in our relationship with Jesus Christ, into our relationship with God, and that not only does he do all of that, but then he gives us his spirit to empower us so that we can be transformed, so that in this life where there will be pain and there will be suffering and there will be challenges, we will experience abundant life. In the midst of it, we will find smiles. We will find all of the things that the the Bible promises us. Why? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. And we are a church that absolutely believes that truth. And we believe that that truth should penetrate everything that we do. We believe that the gospel is something that should change us. It should transform us. And it's something that that whenever we're looking at scriptures, whenever we're looking at what the Spirit is doing in our lives, it is always in light of those truths. That's a a whole message right there. I I could be done. But we are a church that believes that. We are a church that believes that the gospel is true, that it's real. That it's absolutely real. And that means that it's relevant to our lives. That means when we come together and and we have this opportunity uh, to be together as a body, that the teaching, that the worship, that what the Spirit is doing will be relevant to what's going on in our life. So if I were to teach this morning on dispensationalism and you, that's probably, you know, like it might be relevant for some of you. But that's probably not going to be the power that we as a church want to bring on a Sunday morning. We want to speak into the things that are really going on in your life. And many times that means that it's going to be real, it's going to be relevant, and sometimes it might even be PG-13. Okay? So, please, don't be offended. Um, 
we want it to be real, we want it to be relevant, so we want to talk about things that are going on that we're actually dealing with in our life. And right now, uh, there is a dialogue that's taking place. There's a dialogue that's taking place that we believe as a church that we should be a part of. That there is something that the gospel brings uh, to, the, to this dialogue that's taking place. That the world is looking for answers. That in your workplace, in your family, in, in every area of your life where you have influence with other people, that there is a perspective that the gospel brings. And that there are words of life that you have been entrusted with through Christ that you can bring in those circumstances. And the question that I believe right now I, I, I'm hearing a lot of is where is God when the earthquakes hit? Where is God when the earthquakes hit? The earthquakes in Haiti, the earthquakes in my own life. Where is God in the midst of it? Where is God when the earthquakes hit and why? There's a dialogue that's taking place. What, what do we bring to it? What is the gospel? How, does that re, how do we reflect the gospel in those situations? What do we say? What do we do? I believe there's an answer. I believe that we're Christ's ambassadors and that there, there are things that we can bring. We're a church that believes that God is living and active. Which, which poses a problem in that. We absolutely believe that God is active in, in people's lives. And so when, when the earthquakes come and the, and the questions are being asked, we believe that God is doing something. He's in the midst of it. What is it? That's the hard part, figuring it out. So I want to show you just a snapshot of the dialogue that's kind of taking place. And I know everyone has strong opinions about where you get your news from, okay? I get my news from the, from the name that you can trust, Always fair, always balanced, Comedy Central. So if you could just... You know, Christy, something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and uh, people might not want to talk about it. They got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. Mm. It's a true story. But ever since, they have been cursed by, by one thing after the other... <laughs> Shut your pie hole, old man. <laughs> out of all the things, out of all the things that you could draw on from your religion to bring comfort to a devastated people and, and region, look, look, look how big your book is. <laughs> look at the, uh, the, the, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. But you decided to go with tough devil folk. <laughs> Have you read this book? <laughs> From the depths of the earth you will again bring me up. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I mean, that almost sounds like it's about earthquakes. <laughs> you got all this, and you went with an urban legend about a deal with the devil. Well, none of this would have happened if those people hadn't drank all those pop rocks and coke. <laughs> Okay, so, I'm not saying that I agree with Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart will tell you outright um, that he is not a Christian, that he is not bringing a Christian perspective. And yet, he heard uh, that, that quote that we heard from Pat Robertson. And Pat Robertson, there, make no mistake, people have been positively impacted through the ministry of Pat Robertson. And I don't agree with 
you know, it's funny, but he is a little harsh uh, to the Reverend uh, Robertson. Uh, but at the same time, it's a dialogue. It's what people are talking about. Unfortunately, it's what's dominating. If you go Google search Christian response Haiti, you will, you will only find stuff about Pat Robertson's quote. You won't find anything about the great things that Samaritan Purse is doing and Franklin Graham. You're not going to hear about 32 Hours in Haiti by uh, Mark Driscoll. You're not going to see that. Why? Because this has dominated it. Probably because it's just so inflammatory. But the question is, what, 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 what's our response as a church? How do we respond to that? Is, are, oh, do we go into our workplace and say the same thing? Well, it's God's judgment against Haiti. It's all that voodoo they're into, you know? I mean, I've heard people in this church say this, you know, that that's where it comes from. And I believe whether you agree with Robertson, Robertson or not, whether you agree with him or not, I don't think that's the appropriate response. I don't think that that represents the gospel. It doesn't represent what we believe. We cannot afford to presume to know what God is doing. That's, that's, that's a major presumption that we're making, that, that God's, that was God's judgment on them. You know what? God's judgment was dealt with on the cross, that, it, it, that it's been poured out on the cross. I don't presume to know that that's what God is doing. Did God allow it to happen? Absolutely. Was it a result of the things that they did? I, I believe the gospel. Jesus says, you know, be careful if you judge because the measure that you use is the measure that, that's going to be used against you. And I don't want the measure to be used against, I want the measure to be used against me to be the gospel. And you know what that measure is? That it doesn't matter what you do anymore. It matters what Jesus did. That the works that we've done, the good works, the bad works, it doesn't matter. We inherit the good works of Jesus. And that's the primary source of our relationship with God. That's how he relates to us. That's the measure that I want to live by. And I want us as a church to represent that to represent the gospel to the people that we come in contact with, that they see in us a confidence that it doesn't matter. Man, I can, I can say with absolute confidence this morning, I don't care where you've come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how distant you feel from God. I know that Jesus has removed all barriers for you to be able to enter into relationship with him. I know there's nothing, nothing that can hold you back from being able to receive that this morning. That's all. I don't want to say anything more about Pat. But the question remains, where is God when the earthquakes come? Where is God when the earthquakes come? And why? And I would love to intellectualize and philosophize, theologize, Trust me, I would be so much more comfortable doing that. And it's, it's so hard. Putting together this sermon has been so difficult, you know, because I get on these atheist websites and I'm reading their, you know, philosophical arguments. And it's like, oh, I just, I just want to get into it. But I don't think that's what people want. I don't think that's the answer that they're looking for. When they're asking the question, I think deep down, especially for those that are suffering, they're not looking for us to offer them a philosophy, they're not looking for us to quote a Bible verse. You know, you know the guy? You know, there's a verse for that. Earthquake. There's a verse for that. Oh, having trouble? There's a verse for It's like the Apple commercial. There's a verse for that. There's a verse for that. I don't think that people don't want us to quote a verse to them. And they really don't even want us to try and explain the philosophy. I think there's something more to that. And if, if you think about it, like any husband that's ever had this conversation with their wife... Like, they don't want us to fix the problem, you know? They don't, it's not like they go, oh, you know, thank you for explaining why I'm hurting. Now I feel so much better. That's just, 
that's just, thank you for explaining why I shouldn't feel the way that I do. That's, now I'll just, I'll turn it off. I'm just, I'm glad. I'm, gl- I'm, I'm really thankful that you did that for me. You know, and every husband, I, I would imagine, has done that at some point, right? I'm trying not to look at my wife. You cannot use that against me. Um, it's far too clinical. And there's an appropriate time and a place. And, you know, the life course. I love the life course. I'm so bummed that I'm not able to do it this time. But the life course is a place to be able to, you know, explore in our mind these different things and to, to consider the question of, of uh, you know, where is God when it hurts. But I believe that our response right now, our response should be different. Our response should be one of you're not alone. You're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone. That we're right there with you. That we're there with you. That we're coming alongside of you. Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. We need to be there. Paul is saying, be with people. If they're rejoicing, rejoice with them. If they're mourning, mourn with them. Why? Because enter into those circumstances and bring a perspective of the gospel. And if that means mourn, you mourn with a perspective on the gospel. I know the good news of Jesus. I know the good news that I've been freed from all sin. I've been freed from anything I could have done. I can now enter into a relationship with God. And yet, there will still be mourning in this this world. Going in and bringing that perspective. We need to be there. Be. We need to be in their presence. We need to identify with them in a real way. We need to mourn with those that mourn and have compassion to be empathetic, to do our best to, to, to be able to experience what they're experiencing. When you see that in Jesus, Jesus cried. Jesus cried. Think that should challenge all of us. Like, if I'm Jesus, why am I going to cry? Like, I already know what's going to happen. I already know. But somehow he identified with the people that were, that were mourning, and he wept. He wept with them because he was with them, really with them. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Somehow, I want to experience the power of God and I want to, I want to, I want to enter into that fellowship of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Share in the sufferings of those around me. Somehow, I want to be able to enter into that. God has always identified with the suffering. Even in the Old Testament... Everybody's like, oh no, Old Testament God, he's throwing around earthquakes, he's throwing lightning bolts and stuff. He still identifies, he still identifies with those people that are suffering. It's, it's replete with scriptures that talk about things like, if you oppress the poor, you oppress me. I am father to the fatherless. I am a husband to the widow. Tim Keller says, I think these texts are saying that God binds up his heart so closely with suffering people that he interprets any move against them as a move against him. And that is, that is an absolute true theme from the Old Testament. That God identifies with those that are suffering. That God, God's heart is somehow bound with them. And then he moves on their behalf. But he goes beyond that. He goes beyond that in the Old Testament. Because the prophet Isaiah, he prophesizes that the Savior would be called Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. That he will be with us in the person of Jesus, in the person of Jesus Christ, we have God with us, the visible expression of the invisible God, truly God with us, in a way that I don't think Isaiah could have imagined when he penned it. 
He could not have imagined that God would have taken on flesh and blood in the person of Jesus, and, and not as an emperor, not as a general, not as some great leader of men, but as a carpenter, so that he could identify with us even greater. He could be with us. Fully God and fully man. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we connect with our hearts? How do we connect with the suffering of others like, like Jesus? How do we share in that fellowship? And you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, okay, I'm emotionally stunted, okay? It's totally cool. I'm fine with that. I have like the emotional maturity level of Mr. Data from Star Trek, okay? That's fine. That's fine. But the question is, how do I, Mr. Data, identify? That's my doppelganger for Facebook. How do I identify with people that are suffering? How do I enter into that? How do I connect my heart? And, um... It's been really interesting the way that God has put this together because I've, I started in December. You might remember I, I preached and I referred to, the, uh, to Mary. And I've been going through this devotional that is looking at the life of Christ through Mary, through the lens of Mary, kind of experiencing everything that, that's going on in the life of Jesus through uh, Mary's perspective. And, um, and at one point, uh, a man is led by the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells him, you are going to see the Christ. You're going to see the Christ um, and leads him to go to Jerusalem. And he meets the baby Jesus right after he's been circumcised and they're up there doing their Jewish thing. And he comes up and he gets to see the baby and he begins to prophesy. And he prophesies over Mary and he says that a sword will pierce your own soul too. And he's telling her that, that you will experience, in your life, you will experience the suffering that God, I believe, suffers. You will experience a piercing that for all generations we will be able to identify with, that we will be able to look, look to and say, this is the suffering that God is willing to undergo on our behalf. And there's this, uh, the movie, The Passion, I believe captures this piercing. I believe in, in there, there's one scene that is just absolutely the most powerful scene in the Passion. And it's, 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 uh, an, an, it's, it's an event. He's, he's basically saying, imagine Mary seeing Jesus on the way to the cross. And he portrays this event. We're going to take a look at it in just a second. But through her eyes, we see the injustice of the cross. Through her eyes, we see the heart of God. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I show it not to manipulate you, um, I show it to move your hearts and move my heart to move us to that place of being able to share in the fellowship of Christ and in his sufferings. And you can't put the words, you can't put into words the heart of God. And so it's finding any means possible to communicate. So let me show that, that clip real quick.
Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held on to, something to be to stay safe behind. But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God does more than just identify with us. He, d- he does more than just show up and be with us. He undergoes the cross. He undergoes the cross, and I don't know, you know, theologians can talk about all the stuff that happens on the cross, but I believe that the suffering that he underwent was outside of what he had to do to accomplish what he needed to do. In other words, all the suffering that took place before the cross, I believe, was to identify with us in our suffering, was to show his, the extent of his love. I think the actual thing that took place on the cross, we won't know until we get to heaven, and we're going to be amazed at, at somehow, somehow this perfect man took on all of our sin, all, all, everything. Somehow he paid that penalty, but it wasn't there that it happened, I don't believe, personally. I believe that was strictly for our benefit to show us his willingness to suffer, to come into this world that we live in and to be able to put himself under the same suffering, the same pain that we experience, to show us his willingness, the extent of his love. And he shares with us in in our greatest depths of pain. And we watch that and we go, it's wrong. We watch it and we go, that's wrong. That's, that's, that's just not right. And you know, for the last couple weeks, I've been reading the stuff that's going on in Haiti, and I go, it's wrong. It's just not right. People, you know, crushed under a building, trapped. It's just not right. And I believe the heart of God is saying, it's not. It's not right. It's as wrong as, as a mother having to watch her child suffer. It's as wrong as losing a loved one. As wrong as all of the things that we face in this world. As wrong as, as wrong as all of the earthquakes that we suffer in this world. And there are people this morning, you've either, you've either just come out of, a, of an earthquake. You're going into an earthquake. There's one, there's one on the way. There's like, this, this is where... We come together as a church to encourage one another, to remind each other that in the earthquakes that God identifies with us, that he's there with us, that the best man who ever lived suffered the worst punishment that we've ever known. In that wrongness, he identifies with us. The writer of Hebrews says that we have a high priest like no other. He knows our pain. He knows what it's like to be wrong, to be tempted, to be tired, to be an outcast to be despised and rejected and lonely, hurt, to be a victim. But it doesn't stop at the cross. The cross shows us the extent of God's love and it shows us his willingness of what he's willing to do, but it doesn't stop there because the story doesn't end at the cross. We believe in the resurrection. We absolutely are a church that believes in a bodily resurrection that Jesus came back. That after his death on the cross, that he came back, that he was resurrected, and that showed us that death has been conquered. 
And somehow, in some way, God has brought us a victory. And somehow, in some way, God has accomplished the things that needed to be accomplished for us to be able to be in relationship with him. And that we receive his spirit. That yes, God came in human form, in the form of Jesus, and was with us. But then after the death, after the resurrection, now he lives inside of us. Jesus, God with us. The Holy Spirit, God in us. That now we receive his presence, that he's actually in in us. That we actually are, are temples of the Holy Spirit. That where we go, we bring the presence of God. We need to be with those people that are suffering. We need to continue that ministry of Jesus. Where is he? Where is God when the earthquakes come? Where is he? Right there with us. Right there with us. Right there with them. You know, in core, the, the men's ministry, I really encourage you, um, if you're a man in the church, uh, tomorrow night to come to core. But in core, I have seen people come together in, in, in a real authentic way, and you, you'll have a, a guy share something Something from his past, something that has been done to him or that he's done that, that he just doesn't think anybody can identify with. And nobody has any answers for him. Nobody says, oh, here's the answer. Oh, here's the solution. But guys say, you know what? I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm there with you. And you just see their countenance change. You see the weight lifted. You see things change. They're transformed. Not by the answer, not by the solution, but by the presence of other people by the presence of God coming in and saying, I am with you. Is that enough? Is that enough? I believe it is. Where is God when the earthquakes hit? He is there with us, and that's enough. That's enough to empower us. That's enough to, to change us. It's enough to encourage us, encourage us. The ministry of Jesus continues in his church, empowered by his spirit, that we need to be with those that are suffering, that we need to find that fellowship, that we can't live in a bubble Okay, we can't flip by what's going on in, in, in Haiti or Africa or anywhere in the world. There's suffering that's going on that we cannot flip by it on our way to find the latest episode of Chuck. Okay, we have to identify with the, nobody watches Chuck. I'm sorry. You guys are much too spiritual. You probably are more spiritual. Um, but we cannot. We just can't live in that bubble. We have, to, we have to be there. Okay, so why? Why does he allow the suffering? You want me to answer that real quick? Everybody's like, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm going to trick you a little bit. We don't know the why. And I, like I said, I'd love to, you know, talk philosophy and all that kind of stuff. But this is what we do know. We know what it's not. We know why he, why, why, what the reason cannot be. It can't be. In light of the cross, it can't be that he doesn't love us. The reason he allows suffering cannot be because he doesn't love us, because he's shown us the cross. It can't be that he is, he is so outside of our circumstances that he cannot relate. That can't be the reason, because of the cross. It can't be because he doesn't care. He loves us so much that he is willing to take on the suffering of the cross to show us not the why, not the answer to the why, but his willingness to be with us. And is that enough? That's the challenge for us this morning. Let's go ahead and stand. And let's just ask that God would, would make this true for us, that by his spirit that he would accomplish these things, that he would um, speak to us this morning.
And God, we come before you this morning and ask um, that you would show us that your spirit would lead us to that truth that you are good. Lead us to that truth that you are good and that you are love and that in Christ all of the things that could get in the way of our relationship with you have been dealt with. Holy Spirit, come and bring truth for those of us right now that are in the midst of trials and suffering. We pray for your presence in a real, tangible way. We pray that you would pour out your gifts to remind us of your presence, to empower us, to smile, to find joy. For those of us with questions this morning, Lord, I pray the same. I pray for your presence. I pray for your gifts. For those of us who are looking to become more and more like you, Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts this morning. God, that you would make it so that we can empathize, that we can feel. Bring us to that place, Lord, of being able to experience what you experienced, that we could be ambassadors that mourn with those that mourn. God, come and change us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name.